Anna, that's Isaiah, you hear screaming in the nursery, and uh, you'll probably hear Isabella here in a few minutes too. But uh, we're going to Chile, as you saw in the video, and uh, Lord willing, we're leaving in January, January 10th. We're right at about 90% of our support, and so we're just almost like that last last leg, just kind of getting, getting to the finish line there. Um, we're very excited about that. Do uh, pray with us about that. Um, we're just, at this point, we're waiting on Hannah's passport to get in. Um, she had one. Uh, I lost it, and uh, you can't you can't just tell the Chilean immigration office. I promise I have a passport, uh, but you can't see it. Um, so we need to just get that in, and then we can start applying. Nothing in the application process is real ridiculous. Um, need an apostille FBI background check, a doctor's note, bank statements, letter from our home church admission board that says they're responsible if we do anything dumb, and an invitation from a church in Chile, which we don't have a problem getting. So we're uh, which immigrating from one country to another, that's, that is not all that big of a deal. That is, that is on the easier side of immigration stuff. So praise the Lord for that. But do just be praying that we can get our passport in and um, we can get all that stuff taken care of. Uh, like you saw the video, we're going down there to start churches. Uh, Santiago is a big city. Now this is uh, Mecklenburg County, right? Mecklenburg County. So you're, Mecklenburg's right here. Union's here. You're right on the border. Well, Google lied to me. Okay, so you all just pretend we're over there. Um, Mecklenburg County, if you know where that is, uh, 546 square miles, population 1.1 million people because it's where Charlotte is, makes sense. Uh, Santiago is only 250 square miles, so it's half the size of your neighboring county, uh, but over 7 million people live there. I mean, it's, it's massive. Uh, just, it's, it's on, on the bottom of our prayer card, I got some prayer cards. These are the, these are the new prayer cards, by the way, um, so please get a few of these. Um, you see a picture of Santiago, and you look, they're not just little houses. Those are high-rise buildings. Those are big skyscrapers. It's a very big city. And so I don't know how many churches you need to plant to reach 7 million people. I know that it's more than what there is uh, right now. Uh, every 15 minutes that you walk down the road in Chile, you pass about 50,000 people. I mean, so there's just, in terms of uh, living and because vertical apartments, and they fit so many, more, so many more houses per acre than we do here. And um, it's just a great need for churches. We're sent out of Vision Baptist Church of Missions in Alpharetta, Georgia. And there's another family out of our church and board, the Holt family. They've been in Chile 19 years. Um, God's really used them. They've started 14 churches in a Bible college, and so when we land, that's whose church we'll be in. We'll be working there. Uh, they're at Liberty Baptist Church, um, their most recent, not their most recent church plant, but a church they started. And so we'll be there for a while while we kind of set up a house, find a car, find furniture, all that stuff you need to do to live. Uh, and once we get that taken care of, we'll be surveying the city, praying about where God would have us to start a church and, and that kind of thing. And surely we'll be Working together, you know, evangelistic campaigns, summer camps, um, pastors conferences, Bible college, all that we'll be working with the Holtz. But our, our plan is to go and start uh, not just one church. So you got to start with one church, but start with a church and then from there multiply churches. Um, you know, there's just too many people to really reach. One church can't reach 7 million people. Uh, even if everybody spent all day knocking doors and we could somehow do that sustainably. I mean, so many people, so many houses, so many doors, and the city is only growing and growing and growing and growing. Um, but if we start churches that start churches, we can most definitely, I believe, reach the world with the gospel in our lifetime. Um, and so, you know, I, I want to start a church. It's, I mean, when you've got 7 million people, that's like unlimited uh, real estate to dream as a church planner. But I want to start with that first church. Uh, start a church, turn it over to Chileans, and let it just run on its own, and then uh, go from there. Start the next one, and the next one, and the next one, and see them start churches. They say in our country there's between uh, 12 to 15, 14, 15,000 independent Baptist churches alone. 
I think if in the next 10 to 15 years, every one of those churches started another church, I think it would change a lot of lives. I think it would change a lot of families. I think it would change a lot of futures. Uh, I think it would change a lot of presence. I think it would change our country. And I don't think it's an unreasonable goal. And so if we could just every, every 10 years even, churches in this country could multiply themselves. Imagine how many more missionaries we could send. Imagine how many more people would be saved. I mean, just, and, and I think that is the plan. And so pray for us. We can get down there and uh, start churches. But this morning, let's go to the book of Matthew, chapter number 6. Um, if you have any uh, questions about us or the ministry um, or, or South America, or if you're like, there's no way you look like you do and you speak Spanish, I do, I promise. Um, uh, if you have any questions, please feel free to ask us afterwards. Um, I have a, I was just kind of born with a mean face. I didn't want it, but I really am a nice guy. So I look, I look mean on the outside, but I am very nice. I do like, I do like you, and I do like to talk to you. I just my face doesn't know it, uh, but the rest of me does. So. Um, but this morning in Matthew 6, uh, I would like to, we're going to look at the Lord's Prayer. Um, and I, this is uh, maybe the most known prayer uh, in the United States, if not the world. Uh, I, I went to public school, and I grew up, I played sports. And um, I have, I know several people who were not saved, are, are not saved. Uh, and before football games, lacrosse games, whatever, They'd, or after, they'd get together, they'd pray this prayer, and I'm like, you guys ain't even saved. Like, what, what? But this is just it's almost a cultural thing, right, to, to have this prayer. But there's a lot of uh, really good truth in this prayer that we need to apply, yes, in how we pray, but I think also in how we live. Um, I think if you pray about something or you pray in a certain way, I think it eventually ends up coming out in, in your life, in your life. Um, they say if you're angry at somebody, you're bitter at somebody, what do you do? You pray for them, and not just, God, get them. You know, rain fire down on heaven for them, Lord, but you actually sincerely pray for them that... It changes your attitude about them, and you're not bitter about them anymore. Uh, and so I think that's true. And so we see things and values that Jesus teaches us about prayer here that, yes, we should pray this way, but if we're praying this way, it's going to come out that we ought to live this way as well. And so we'll start actually verse number 5, Matthew chapter number 6, verse number 5. And the Bible says, And when thou prayest, thou shalt not be as the hypocrites are. Uh, for they love to pray, standing in the synagogues and in the corners of the street, that they may be seen of men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. Uh, but thou, when thou prayest, enter into thy closet, and when thou hast shut thy door, pray to thy Father which is in secret, and thy Father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. But when ye pray, use not vain repetitions, as the heathen do. For they think they shall be heard for their much speaking. Be not ye therefore like unto them, for your Father knoweth what things you have need of before ye ask him. After this manner therefore pray ye, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Uh, give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, we do love you this morning, and we thank you for your word. We thank you for the example that it gives us, certainly, um, and how to pray, Lord, but the values that it teaches us, the uh, emphasis that it places on you and not on us. Lord, the relationship that it reveals, I just pray that you would help us to, to pray this way, but Lord, to live this way uh, for you and your kingdom, Lord, not ours. And we love you and thank you. Please help. In Jesus' name, amen. So number one, we pray and we live uh, directed to the Father. We are, our, our prayers are directed to the Father and our lives are directed to our Father. And that has uh, two points that I want to call your attention to in this. Number one is that we're living for our Father and nobody else. 
It says right here in verse number 5, it says, And when thou prayest, it says, Thou shalt not be as the hypocrites are. For they love to pray, standing in the synagogues and in the corners of the streets. And here's the, the problem with that. Nothing wrong with praying in public. I don't, uh, I'm for it. I pray at sports events, pray at city hall meetings, pray publicly in church, at dinner, whatever. But the problem with that is, is not in public. Here's the problem. They do these things that they may be seen of men. And so their whole emphasis in their prayer life is not to communicate with God. It's not to talk to their Heavenly Father. Their whole uh, desire, their whole emphasis, their whole focus is other people. And I like other people to like me. I really wasn't kidding when I said, you know, I have a mean face and I try to smile, but it just, I'm not good at it and it looks bad. And, but I really am a friendly person. I want you to like me and I, and I hope I like you and, and, and that's great. But I'm not, you aren't my focus necessarily. Now, wherever I go, we're supposed to serve others. I understand Jesus said the great commandment, love God, love your neighbor, right? Love others as yourself. I understand that we serve others, but we don't, we don't live for others. Right. We, maybe you could say that we live to serve others in the name of the Lord, but that's about as close as you can get. We live for Jesus. Right. And what means we live for him alone. And so I'm focused on him. And these other people, they say, I want other people to see me. I want uh, external validation. I want horizontal validation from other people. And I get, man, I get it. I, I really do like people to like me. There's, I mean, when you preach or teach and you get up and you, you know you did your best and people are like, ah, oh, you know, we'll pray for you. It's kind of like, man, that's kind of discouraging. I kind of needed you all to like that. But, you know, I've, I've preached some stinkers before and the world didn't end. I mean, I just, them people might have thought it did, but we just kept on going because I don't live for other people. People that were my best friends years ago, and it's not that we had a falling out. It's not that they did me wrong or I did them wrong. Just I move, they move, life changed. I mean, they're not my friends anymore. My, one of my best friends from high school, I've seen him one time since we graduated high school. And we were, man, we were best buddies. I mean, I, I still know his, his number growing up. I can still get to his house, and, and I don't have Facebook anymore, but I was friends with his parents on Facebook. I mean, we were buddies, and I just don't even see him anymore because it's just life changed. I mean, then I've got friends who decided they didn't want to be my friends anymore, and that was, I mean, whatever, but we don't live for other people. Right. Other people change. Other people can sometimes go in the wrong direction. We live for our Heavenly Father. Amen. We live for Amen. our Heavenly Father. And so these people, they think, I, I want other people to see me. It doesn't even seem like they have any uh, emphasis on whether or not God hears their prayer as long as you hear their prayer. In contrast, in verse number 6, it says, But thou, he says, you, when y'all pray, enter into thy closet, which a closet, no one's house here. I don't think your door, your front door leads through your, straight into your master closet. It's, it's, it's and then into the living room or whatever, right? It's, you, it's, it's a back room. It's a secret room. There's one room in. There's one room out or one door in. Usually not a window. So you're going into a secret room anyway, and then you go in there and you shut the door. And it says, pray to thy father. And then you're praying to somebody who is in secret. And thy father which seeth in secret, the Bible says that he shall reward thee openly. Now, if I'm in my closet, I got the door shut. You're not going to know where I'm at. It's hard to find me. It's... I'm not out in public, but God is there, and he sees what's going on in there. And it's not like, you know, God needs us to shut the door so that he doesn't want anybody else to hear the prayer. It's just maybe it's like a thing that helps us recognize that, hey, there's, you're not doing this for anybody else. You're doing this for me right. and me alone. And by the way, you're, you may be praying where nobody else can see, but I will take care of you publicly. We'll see this later on. God loves us and cares about us and right. likes us and is for us, however you want to say it. He's on our side. We're on his side. Man, we're his, we're his enemies. Now we're his friends, and he's good to us. We'll see that in a minute, but he knows what we need. He sees our prayers from there in secret. And so don't worry if nobody else sees it. Don't worry if nobody else notices it. We're living for him Amen. and him alone. Uh, if you live for credit of other people, man, that's great when you get it. But does anybody ever actually feel too appreciated? I don't. 
I mean, I'm a parent. I don't. I definitely don't feel. And I'm I'm the parent that doesn't like. I'm not the mom. Is what I'm saying. Like the mom's the one who really doesn't ever feel appreciated. Mother's Day is a big deal. Father's Day is like here's a gift card that I used once. Happy Father's Day. And it kind of sh- maybe should be that way. I get it. But like, I don't ever feel all the way appreciated. Neither do you. But who cares? Because I'm not doing it for that. I'm doing it for the Lord. He he is my focus. Now here's the thing. I'm not doing it for other people. I'm focused. My focus is directed to the Lord. I don't pray to you. I'm not living for you. I'm certainly here to serve you, but you're not, you're not my God, so to speak, because God is my God. And here's the deal. We're not so great. He is. Amen. Uh, it says right here, it says it this way in chapter number 7, uh, in verse number 9. It says, Or what man is there of you, whom if his son ask bread, will he give him a stone? Or if he ask a fish, will he give him a serpent? And Jesus asked the question, If ye then being evil know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your Father, which is in heaven, give good things to them that ask Him? Now, obviously, this teaches us, yes, that God does hear and answer prayer, and it seems He delights in answering our prayer. But the point, he's, I, I think what else you see here is this. He says, y'all are evil, is what He says, and you do nice things for your kids. Your Heavenly Father isn't evil. How good is He to you? Amen. That's the other thing. Is yeah, I'm praying to Him alone. But he's, I mean, he's the greatest. He is, he is, God is love. He, does, he doesn't love, he is love. I mean, he does love us, but love is his character. He loves us. Uh, he cares about us. He's given us Christ. How shall he not also freely give us all things? I mean, he is for us. His, uh, his, his, his favor, his blessing, his love is on us always. There's now no condemnation to, to us who, 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 who are saved, those of us that are born again. Uh, we were just in a church in West Virginia earlier this, yeah, earlier this month. And this lady afterwards, she's like, man, we love your family, and we like you too. Yes. I was like, I, I was kind of like, okay, but then I, I'm like, I get it. Like, I'm commanded to love everybody. I don't necessarily need to like people. But she's like, yeah, we love you, and we like you. I was like, man, two for two. We're doing all right today. God loves you. God likes you. God, whatever, whatever word you want to put in your head, he's for you. He loves you. He is over the moon about you. He's crazy about you. He just, his, the thought, his thoughts are so great about us. And so when you pray, you're not praying to uh, somebody who's fickle, somebody who may be for you one day and may be against you another day, like, like, like people are, or, or somebody who maybe is limited in their power, or their capacity. We're praying to God. And he loves us. He loved us while we were sinners, right? Romans 5, 8, but God commended his love towards us. And while we were yet sinners, meaning while we were actively rejecting him and turned our back on him, while we uh, on purpose chose sin and chose to separate from him, he still loved us even in that moment. And now that we're saved, man, if, we, if, if he loved us when we were his enemies, how much more now that we're his children? I mean, Amen. he loves us. That's who you're praying to. Amen. He's not out to hurt you. He's not out to get you. He's not out to trick you. It says... I kind of I find this funny. Maybe you had different grandparents than I did. But it says, "What is there if you if you ask bread, will you give him a stone?" I'm like, uh, "Ron Shreve Senior, most certainly. That's my granddad. He would most certainly try something like this just to see you suffer." Because it's funny. It's and I get pulling jokes on people, but I mean, I'm like, "Yeah, my granddad would do this kind of stuff." Sure, God doesn't do that. He takes no delight in our suffering. None. He is all love all the time. That's who you're praying to. So I'm not living for other people. Other people are fickle. Other people change. Other people are unable. I mean, other people, I mean, they're like you. They're like me. That's kind of scary. Mm-hmm. You and me are alike. Bad news for you. We're a whole lot more alike than we're different. That's rough. But we're not living for each other. We're living for Jesus. Amen. We live Amen. for him and for him alone. I think a great example of this, Look, I mean, Acts chapter 7, we're not going to turn there, but when Stephen is getting ready, Stephen's being stoned. What does he do? He looks up and who does he see? I mean, he's kind of in a place where things are not going that great. He's literally dying. 
Yes. Painfully, horribly. Good night. Can you imagine having rocks thrown at you until it just blades you and dings your head and breaks your bone? I don't know. It'd be terrible. Terrible. He's dumb, but he's like, I don't care about this because I'm living for Jesus. That's kind of a great picture of what's going on in our lives. This world is, is sinking quick. This is not our home. This is not our kingdom. This is not God's kingdom. We're just like, I'm here to serve and reach the world, but man, I'm focused on Jesus as this place goes down. So our prayers, yes, we pray to our Father. He's a good Father, but he, we pray and live directed to Him and to Him alone. Number two, we live and pray in deference to the Father. In deference, meaning we defer, we submit to the Father. Uh, it says this, if you look at, the, if you look at the, uh, the, the, the prayer in verse number 9, it says, After this manner, therefore pray ye. So first of all, who's, who's, who, it says, Our Father. Now, I'm not greater than my Father. Without Him, I wouldn't be here. I'm, I'm taller than He is. I've all, all the Shreve family strength and speed records, I hold them. I broke all my dad's records. In that sense, I'm stronger and I'm faster and I'm less bald. Uh, I mean, I, I can grow a better mustache and beard. I mean, I, like, but I'm not, without him, I wouldn't exist. So in that sense, he is greater, right? Does that make sense? Okay, so if I'm praying to my father, would I exist without him? The song we sang, it's your breath in our lungs, Lord. It's your blood in our heart. It's your, it's your sight in our eyes. I mean, it's your thoughts in our brains, so to speak. I mean, we, we really don't exist without him. Right. He's our father. We did not make him. He was never made. He is eternal from eternity past to eternity present to eternity future. He has always existed. He does not need us. We depend on him. He is our father. He is our maker. He is our creator. He is our progenitor. He is everything. And without him, we are nothing. So the whole prayer starts out with saying, you're really big and we would not exist without you. Then it says, which art in heaven. I mean, y'all are going to Western North Carolina for a camping trip. I love Western North Carolina. I like the rest of North Carolina too, but I really, really like Western North Carolina. So it is heaven on earth. So you have to add the qualifier. Because it's, it's good, but I don't, think heaven, I don't think it's as good as heaven. Well, who's in heaven? God. Where are we? Not there. Even if we're in heaven or on earth, we still have to say this is close, but this ain't it. He's, he's our Father. He's in heaven. We're not. It says, thy kingdom come. Whose kingdom do I live for? Does it say, my kingdom, my desires, my will? No, no, no. It says, I'm here for God's kingdom. I'm here to build His kingdom. And then it says, thy will be done on earth. What does that word will mean? Your desires, right? What you want. What we, what, what you could say this way. What you want, God, that's what we want. We want your desires to be carried out on earth just like they're carried out in heaven. Uh, and, and I'll be honest, man. Sometimes I don't want what God wants. I know what I'm supposed to want, but I don't always want it. Uh, as a, recently, I was at a, you guys have racetrack here, the gas station, Right? Best hot if you don't best hot dogs on the interstate. And so we, uh, we I, we have one by our house, and I stopped. And the line was real long. It was all the way to the door, and then to not block the door, uh, the line kind of it snaked to the left, and no one would stand in front of the door. And as the line moved up, you'd walk all the way across the front of the door. So there's like this big you know ten foot gap in the door. And I was the next one to cross you know across the door into like the main line, and I walk up, and there's like three or four people behind me at least, and and this guy just runs up and like cuts me off from the from the other side. And I was like, oh, excuse me, sir, that's, that's, I'm here. Um, I tried to be nice about it. And he's like, no, you weren't. I saw, I saw what you did. You're not here. Well, there's five other people who just saw you cut me off. I didn't really want to be kind. I really wanted to say some mean things about him and his family members and a whole lot of other things. Like, I really wanted to just rip this guy. And I didn't because the Bible tells me I'm supposed to be kind. 
I'm supposed to forgive like Jesus forgave. And a whole lot of other things that don't condone being mean to strangers in gas stations. And so I didn't want to, but no one really cares what I want. God doesn't take an opinion survey of how I feel every morning and says that's kind of what we're going to do. God says, here's, here's what I want us to do, and we're going to do it. Right. I mean, we, we get in the van sometimes, and Isabel's like, I don't want to drive. And Isaiah just, he can't say I don't want to drive, but he screams, and I know what he says, and I'm like, I don't, I don't sorry. We're driving. We got to go. I'm glad for your opinion, but if you just get on board, it'd be a whole lot easier for y'all and a little bit easier for me if y'all would just get with the program. <laughs> and in a whole much greater way, again, I'm not a great father. He's our whole, heavenly, perfect, holy father. It's his will. No one... I don't know how to say this nicely, so I'll just say it. No one really cares what we want. God doesn't really care. He's, by the way, he's God. Uh, turn with me to 2 Corinthians, um, uh, but, but, but we at? 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Um, I have a friend who's, who's he was going to be a missionary to China. Uh, didn't work out. China wouldn't let him in. Um, so he ended up in uh, New York City starting a church up there. And I love this story. They have a lady coming to their church who, she's like in her 30s, but, I mean, she grew up in China, doesn't know I mean, very, very little, if anything, about Bible Christianity. And she comes to their church, and they're doing a Bible study, starting in Genesis, going through, and they get to Cain and Abel. So we're, you know, four chapters in at this point. And God doesn't have respect to Cain's sacrifice. He has respect to Abel's sacrifice. And she says, well, who is he to decide that that sacrifice is wrong and this sacrifice is right? <laughs> well, he's God. <laughs> that, that's who he is, whatever he says. He's, I'm in charge. I'm God. <laughs> I made you. So whatever I say goes. Really. And so my will, his will matters. The Bible says it this way, in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and verse 14. For the love of Christ constraineth us, because we thus judge that if one died for all, then we're all dead. And that he, this Jesus, died for all, and this is talking about safe people right here, that they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again. And says, if you were, it says, we were all dead in sin, and Jesus died for all of us. So those of us who are saved, we don't live for ourselves anymore. We live for the one who died for us. And so everything in my life is, God, I don't care about really my kingdom. I'm not interested in building my kingdom. God, I don't care really about my will. I don't care about my desires. He says, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. And if you look at verse number uh, 14, sorry, verse number 13, it says, yours is the, thine is the kingdom, yours is the power and the glory. God, I have no power. I have no glory. I have no kingdom. God, I have nothing. And it's, I just want to build your power. I want to, I want to show people your power. I want to show people your kingdom. I want your glory to be known. That's, that's, that's how our lives should be. We, we, it's not that we say, I'm going to build, you know, 60% your kingdom, God, and 40%. No, no, no. It's just 100% God's kingdom. Amen. Forget about your kingdom. 100% his kingdom. 100% his will. When has doing your will ever worked out great for you? About 0% of the time for me. Maybe y'all are a little smarter than I am, but it just when I get what I want, it very rarely works out right. Unless I'm in line with God and I'm wanting what he wants me to want. So we live our lives in deference. We're trying to build his kingdom, not our kingdom. I'm not worried about me. I'm not worried about my life. I'm not worried about people thinking Kyle Shreve is great. I'm not worried about showing off how great Kyle Shreve is. I'm supposed to live if you know how great God is. Now, like I said, I like the attention sometimes. I like people to know great things about me. So it, it's a struggle. It's a battle. But we're supposed to live for God's kingdom. So we live and pray directed to our Heavenly Father. We live and pray in deference or submission to the Father. And number three, last point, we live and pray in dependence. In dependence on the Father. Now, here's the thing. God doesn't just say, uh, you live for me and you get nothing. Now, if that's what he did, he's already saved us. Okay? He didn't have to die for us. He did not have to die for our sins. Um, it was not like he signed a contract and it was, he was obligated to die for us. He chose to die for us out of love. If he had to die for us, it wouldn't be love. Uh, I, don't, I don't 
particularly love my landlord, but I have to pay the rent every month because that's just, that's just the way the contract works. I don't ever throw an extra 15 or $20 in there because they're such a nice person. I'd pay the exact minimum amount that I have to because I don't want to. I don't love them. That's not how Jesus felt about us. He was not obligated to go to the cross. He did it of his own free will. In fact, he says, hey, no man takes my life. I lay my life down. No one could take Who could take God's life? Nobody. He laid his life down. And so had he done that, had he done that and nothing else, that would be plenty. But he does so much more than that. As we live, he takes care of us. And we're going to see that. The Bible says he's come that we may have life and have it more abundantly. And yeah, that means in the life to come, but it doesn't mean that we're going to suffer now. And by the way, I'm not one of these people who is, you know, go out and wash your invisible BMW and God's going to give it to you. And just, you just pray and God's going to, I've heard, I've heard it, unfortunately. Uh, it's, a, it's, it's terrible. But, I mean, God's going to give you the best quality life you can have now. Not the best life you'll ever have, because the life to come is going to be so much better than this life. But he'll give you the best life you can have on this earth. So, we live in, so when I say we live in dependence on him, as we pray, look at verse number 8. Look at this. Matthew 6, 8. Be not ye therefore like unto them, for your Father knoweth what things you have need of before you ask him. Yep. That means when you've got money problems, health problems, family problems, spiritual problems, whatever, emotional problems, before you take it to God, he already is aware of the problem. Yep. Yep. He already knows, and he knows better than we know. He knows what we need. Again, if I always get what I think I need or what I think I want, it never works out. God knows what I need. And what you see later on in this chapter, in verses 25 and on, is this. He says, Therefore I say unto you, take no thought for your life. Don't worry about Remember I said we're not living for my kingdom? I'm living for God's kingdom. Here's how Jesus says it. Therefore I say unto you, take no thought for your life. What ye shall eat or what ye shall drink, nor yet for your body, what ye shall put on. Is, isn't, isn't your life more than that? Aren't we living for more than food and clothing? Is not life more than meat and the body and the raiment? He says, Behold the fowls of the air, they sow not, neither do they reap and are gathered into barns, yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are, are ye not much better than they? Which of you, by taking thought, can add one cubit unto his stature? Who can, who can think to be taller? Who can just say, I want to be a little bit taller and make it happen? That's not how I got this tall. It doesn't work that way. And why take ye thought for raiment? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They toil not, neither do they spin. And yet I say unto you, even Solomon, the most magnificent royal, I mean, just go read First, Second Kings, Second Kings, all the stuff. You have the gold and the animals and all the stuff. I mean, just even he in all his glory, he wasn't as pretty as a flower. He was not a rate like one of these. It says, wherefore, if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? Therefore, take no thought, saying, what do we eat or what shall we drink or uh, wherewithal shall we be clothed? For after these things do Gentiles seek lost, it's like lost people are worried about that stuff. And once again, for your heavenly Father knoweth that ye have need of these things. God knows what you need. Amen. God knows what I need. We can depend on him. So what do I do? Well, verse 33, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And that right there is great, but the verse doesn't end there. We know that we're living for God's kingdom. We know that we're living for his righteousness. And look what happens. All these things shall be added unto you. So you got two options. You can worry and you can work and you can sweat and you can toil and you can stress and you can get up early and you can stay up late. And sometimes you have to do those things. I get it. Well, not well, you don't have to worry or stress, but sometimes you got to work extra hours. I get it. I've, I've been there. I've done it. I understand. And you can worry and, 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 and beat yourself and you can get maybe what you need or you can just trust God and you can know for a fact you're going to get what you need. You're going to end up in the same place either way. Why not let God take care of all the heavy lifting? And by the way, if I'm not worried about all this other temporal stuff, I can take my time and I can live for something else. I can live for something greater. His kingdom. I can, I can depend on him to build, 
to, to build his kingdom through me, to build my kingdom, give me the kingdom he wants me to have, so to speak. Now, let's look at one more verse, and we'll be done. First Peter chapter 5. If I could sum everything I've tried to communicate to you this morning up in one verse, it would, I think First Peter 5, 6 does it. What I've tried to express, and, and if I haven't got it across, let me tell you what I was trying to express right here. We need to stop worrying about our kingdom and live for God's kingdom. Let me sum it up for you. I need to pray. Not about my kingdom, I need to pray for God's kingdom. My whole life should be oriented. I am going to be used in the kingdom of God. My life belongs to Jesus, and I'm going to live for him and build his name, home and abroad. The Bible says it this way, 1 Peter 5, 6. Humble yourselves. Remember we said we're going to defer or submit to God. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. I, I don't know how to say it any better than that. Let's get on God's page. He's doing something. He's working. He's moving. I want to be part of it. I, I, want, I want my life to count for more than just here and now. I want my life to matter in eternity. I want to impact souls. I want to impact families. I want to be building God's kingdom. And the greatest kingdoms of, of yesterday are, are rubble today. And if, if they are still standing, one day there will be a new heaven and a new earth, and nothing on this earth will really be of matter. It won't matter at all. I want my work to count. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 58 says, And nothing we do for the Lord is in vain. Nothing. And that verse encourages us to be abounding in service to him. And so, man, I'm going to live for God. I want to live for God. It's tempting to want to live for self. I understand. It's easy to want to live for self. It's easy to want to do things in my power. But we, we live and pray directed to our Father, for him and for him alone, not for myself, not for anybody else. We live and pray for, to, to and for Jesus. We live and pray uh, d- deferring, submitting our will to him. We live and pray depending on him, trusting him to, to take care of us as we serve him. I'll read this verse one more time and then we can pray because it says it so much more succinctly and better than I could ever say it. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. Lord, we love you and we thank you for this day, God. And Lord, I know there are so many, so many times in my life where I want to live for me, where I want to be selfish, where I want to be, I want to be number one and I want to be focused on Kyle and too many times, Lord, far too many times. Nothing I could build, nothing I can make in this world is of any real value, Lord. And so help me to value your kingdom like I'm supposed to. Help me to value your name, your praise, your glory, your will like I'm supposed to. I so often want to rebel and, and, and buck and go against you and your will and what I know is right, Lord. Help me. Help us to be on board, to be in line, to be following after you to be living and desiring what you want, Lord, to be building your kingdom. Lord, help us to humble ourselves, live for you, and we know that in due time you will exalt us. We love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.